So this morning on the Mind of a Football Coach podcast, we have the first, well, the second doctor I've ever had on the podcast, Dr. Justin Bowers. Welcome to the podcast this Thanks, morning. Thanks, sir. It's good to be a part of this. This is cool, isn't it? Yeah, it's fun. I, I had no idea you were this into it and started checking it out. I was really enjoying all the stuff oh, you put yeah. out there. This into it. Uh, <laughs> I have like the most basic rig setup in the history of podcasts, but I guess that means you're into it. I don't know. Consistency. That's what I was telling you. It's I've, I've had ideas for podcasts, but never stayed consistent. <laughs> yeah, that's true. It's, uh, yeah, you asked me this morning, when did I start this? It was 2017. And all I had at that time was a MacBook. Hmm. So I had one, uh, it was a Canal County Schools MacBook. They owned it, okay. but, uh, and the, the microphone's okay on it. I mean, right. it's not terrible, right. but it's not the best. And I just started, let's do this. And then awesome. I was paying for it at first through Buzzsprout. And then Anchor came mm -hmm. along and they pay you a little bit at the beginning. And then at least it's free to host. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. That's Which, cool. Yeah, yeah. Thanks for letting me be part of today. This is awesome. So introduce yourself a little bit and then we, we'll go from there. Yeah, uh, like you said, I'm Justin Bowers. Um, the, the doctor title I tell everybody just means I have more student debt than most. <laughs> <laughs> That's hilarious. Um, I have been at the teaching business at the high school for just this one year. Um, it's going to be my actually my only year because uh, I'm transitioning over to the college and going to be doing their director of career services and internships, basically helping students find jobs and get experience with jobs. Um, my wife and I are originally from town here in Buchanan. We grew up here and came back about 10 years ago to plant a church. So mm. I pastor church and have my hands kind of in several things and just really love the community, love kind of pouring into students and families and mm. finding ways to connect and help people grow. So my, my, uh, my studies have always been in uh, kind of organizational leadership mm. and just really passionate about how we can help young people kind of emerge and grow into mm. who they're, who they're made to be. So Angie wrote a book. I did. I did write a book. Talk about that process a little <laughs> bit, if you don't mind, because that seems so intimidating. Yeah. I, so like I said, I've, I've been in church world for about 20 years and really with the start of COVID um, found myself with this space and time that I hadn't really ever had. Mm. And I had this idea because, you know, regardless of kind of people's view of religion, it felt like the common conversation I was having was, People were saying it's not it's not really Jesus I have a problem with it's the church, um, and so I I was watching I remember watching with my kids the the old Willy Wonka movie, and I there's a scene where Gene Wilder comes out of the factory to welcome the kids and he kind of looks like this decrepit old man, hmm. and you don't know if he's even going to make it and so mm -hmm. he falls forward and he just all of a sudden kind of rolls and springs up and it's like all the life comes back to him. And, and I was just so fascinated with that. I, I started like looking at the backstory and what this was. And apparently he put that in the movie. Uh, it was his idea. Mm. And he said, I wanted the audience to not know whether they could trust me or not. I wanted to kind of create this moment where there was oh. all this uncertainty. And for me, it was like something clicked and clicked. And so I started writing this book and it's called wonky and it's a mm. survival guide for following Jesus when you hate the church. Mm. And so it's this whole idea of, you know, what does this look like in this world where there's so much distrust and so much, mm -hmm. you know, uncertainty mm -hmm. and hypocrisy and mm -hmm. what does that look like? So, yeah, it, it was a, 
really super fun project and really hard to do. Mm. Um, especially I, when I've written in the past, I'm not a rewriter. And so that editing process, I had a, a good, a great guy just helped me in that process and really mm. made it better. Um, but yeah, it's, it's cool. It's out in the world and, you know, I think my family bought it, which is fun. Yeah. Well, <laughs> and that may, that may be about it. <laughs> I'm looking at it. It's on, I'm looking at, uh, you know, Amazon. Yeah. And it's not Jesus. I can't stand it. It's the church. And man, I, I think, you know, the church is a, is a lifeboat for us sinners. Yeah. But man, have we, I know I have been hurt by people who yeah. would say, you know, I'm, I'm a part of a church or I, and I, I haven't been great to people either. I mean, just full, right. like full disclosure. Right. I mean, I, I, I need confession as much as yeah. the next person. Uh, well, in a, yeah. and in a lot of ways, I think that's what I try to do in the book is offer some penance <laughs> mm. to offer some, Hey, I'm, I'm just as guilty of this. And mm -hmm. you know, that's the voice that I wanted to write with was mm. if we were sitting down having coffee, if we were talking like this, mm -hmm. um, my conversation to you would be a lot different than, if I meet you and you go, what do you do? And I go, pastor, and automatically everybody's guard goes up. Um, yeah. Because it's authentic. It's real. And, and I think that's what we need to get back to in a lot of ways. Mm. So, yeah, yeah, absolutely. So what made you want to become a pastor? What, what, what made you go, hey, I want to do, I want to do this? Because this is, that's hard. Yeah. It's hard work. But, yeah. it's, you know, it's fulfilling, yeah. but it's difficult. It is, it yeah. Is. Um, you know, it was funny when I was a student here at McCann and Upshur, uh, before my senior year, I had the opportunity to go to South Africa for three weeks uh, on a short, short term service trip. Mm -hmm. And, I, you know, people talk about a moment where you felt this calling or whatever it was. I really never had that, but it did. Mm -hmm. I did have a moment in South Africa and it was kind of this post apartheid world. So like segregation had ended, they were trying to heal the country. Um, it's back in 97. And as a 17 year old kid, I had this conversation with this black guy, this, this South African guy, he was a, he was a Zulu guy. Um, and you just can't make this up. His name was Moses. Uh, our translator for the day was named blessing. <laughs> oh, wow. And we're having this conversation and he's probably 50 to 60 years old. And he starts telling me how his wife has passed away, his kids have passed away, um, and he wants to know why. He wants to know why God would allow that to happen. Mm. And speaking with this guy, I remember I had no answers. I had, I just was like, I, I don't know. Like I can, I can be here, I can be present with you, but I have no understanding or anything that's going to solve the struggle that you're going through. Mm. Um, and we got back on the bus that day, and I remember all I could think was, I want to get home. I want to go care for the people back home in, mm. in whatever way I can, whether that's a call to ministry, I don't know. But from that moment on, the way that I saw people, the way that I saw the world really shifted mm. for me, um, I felt like I had a greater capacity for compassion. I had, I had just this sense of like, there is this, this religious thing is not just about me. It's about the world. It's about making the world better. It's about bringing the kingdom of God into the world. And, mm -hmm. you know, what, what does that look like for my life to be given to that? And so mm -hmm. I think that framed it. Um, and it's funny, I've loved pastoral ministry, but in the past two or three years, since I've kind of been bivocational and working in the schools, I feel like I have the opportunity for ministry in a really different capacity mm -hmm. that's outside the church walls. Mm -hmm. And I've, I've kind of fallen in love with that even more. It doesn't mm -hmm. change the passion I have for 
you know, the church the, as an institution, but I love being in the community and knowing families and students and mm. colleagues and coworkers. Like it's just a different capacity that, that mm. really has felt like, yeah, this is, this is really what it's meant to be like for me. Hmm. You're talking about universal calling and that. Mm-hmm. It's really one of the biggest reasons why I became Catholic mm. about two years ago was, well, actually about a year ago, not two years ago, a year ago. And it was looking for something universal, looking mm. for something that has stood the test of time, so yeah. to speak, through the ups and the downs. Yeah. And, but it's really cool how like the Lord works and touches people different ways. And so, you know, we're all brothers in Christ looking to fulfill our passion and our mission. And, mm. but it's just cool how like the Lord can speak to us yeah. in different ways to fulfill his his yeah. purpose. That's so cool. Yeah. And I would say, and it's really cool to hear you say that because I, over the past three or four years, I kind of went through this season of burnout in mm. ministry and, um, you know, COVID helped that the, the cultural climate helped that, but in, in finding kind of renewal in that, a lot of what has helped me the most have been Catholic practices, like going back to Ignatian prayer, mm. um, you know, reading about some of the desert fathers, looking back into those things has just been like, oh man, like there's a reason this has lasted for thousands of years mm. and it's not kind of the latest thing in, in mm. Christianity. Like it's been a really cool thing for me. So it's, it's cool to hear your story. I did not too. know. I did not know that. Yeah. About you. Yeah. It kind of reignited you a little bit. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So that's cool. And the thing we actually, you texted me that we were, we're going to get into it is the Enneagram and yeah. that if I'm not mistaken, it's, it was something the desert fathers used. I believe so. Kind of yeah, came up with it. So. Kind try of, to go ahead. No, sorry. no, I was going to say this framework of understanding the personality and mm. yeah, to try to help their their parishioners. To hey, how do I counsel you? How do we help you? Yes. Uh, our priest at St. Patrick's in Weston, uh, Father Ondek, is very much in that in that line, mm. trying to understand people and what's going like what's going on and how do your personality works but so how did you find the enneagram how did that so because you were like you know the enneagram and i looked at you i didn't look at you i looked at my phone as i was sexting you you know the enneagram (laughs) so how did how did you find it yeah so when i so we went through this process of assessment as um prospective church planners so Mm. within our denomination it was like a yeah it was like a three-day uh intensive interview counseling different pieces and they utilize the Enneagram and I really at that point I had no idea of what it was I just heard people talking about what number they were and I was mm. like man I don't I'm, like, not, I'm not in the loop yeah. they, they yeah. labeled me they were like you're this and the descriptions they gave I was like yeah it sounds accurate like I don't know mm-hmm. but somebody gave me this Richard Rohr book uh which is kind of the primer on on the Enneagram mm-hmm. and it literally sat on my shelf for about four years um and it was always oh, the wow. book that it was like, I should read this. What's but, that book called? Uh, I think it's just called the Enneagram, a Christian, a Christian perspective, I believe. Okay. I'm look um, yeah. And so about, you know, three or four years after that, I, I picked this book up because I had some space in the summer and I started reading it and he kind of walks through the nine types of personality and, and where it comes from. And um, man, I got to my type and I, which is, which is the five, uh, and I just felt like someone had taken my journal 
and put it on paper. Mm -hmm. And I could not believe how much it resonated with me. And so I kind of just like started consuming all the stuff I could. Um, And, you know, their podcasts, there's just so much, it's Mm -hmm. become such a trendy thing. Um, But as I was processing all that, I remember listening to a podcast while I was mowing my yard and they were talking about, there's a framework for kind of what happened as you were growing up and where the, where the hurt entered your life. Mm. And I remember just losing it. Like all the emotion came out because it felt like they were naming some things about me. Mm. Um, And so I, you know, that summer we kind of consumed it. My wife, Carrie and I, we started talking and like I was telling you, it's, it's been one of the most helpful things for our marriage just to understand. Cause it's, it's not saying you're innately bad. You're innately good. These characteristics mm-hmm. are good or bad. It's you can be healthy and you can be unhealthy. And mm-hmm. here's how you start to understand what, what fuels you, what drives you, where you tend to go under stress. And um, yeah, so it's just been a, been a really cool tool for us. What you said there about it's not good and it's not bad. Mm-hmm. That gave me so much freedom. Absolutely. Because I think I can look at myself and think all these parts of my personality are bad, yeah. but the Enneagram shifts that into like stress and what's the other word I'm like growth. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, okay. This explains yeah. a lot. That's a, that's an easier way to understand that. Yeah. Well, yeah. and I, and I love that because I think, you know, culturally we don't have language like that all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, even when you're, no. when you're raising kids, we work with students. I talk with my students about this. If they come home with uh, like an A in art class, F in science, D in math, as parents, we tend to give the most attention to the science and math rather than mm-hmm. going, hey, my kid is really passionate about art. Mm-hmm. So let's, let's find ways to help that thrive, help that grow, grow mm-hmm. which is really kind of taking that strengths-based approach. And I, and I really appreciate that about the Enneagram is like, here's, here's who you are and let's, let's help you thrive in that. So when you talk about the five, I'm mm-hmm. looking at, and I'll, and I'll put links to all these things yeah. we're talking about, your book, the Enneagram book by Richard Rohr, this website, Enneagram Institute. Five is the investigator. So mm-hmm. how do you understand your, your own number? Yeah, I think um, a, a couple things that, that really helped me is understanding that, that, that five, six, seven numbers, they tend to function out of the headspace more than anything else. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's very much driven by thoughts, by rationale, by thinking, um, and, and really the driving emotion, at, it can be fear. And, mm-hmm. and so fear that is causing the five to go inward, right? Inward mm-hmm. to their mind and go, hey, the world is really uncertain. There's chaos. People are unpredictable. We can't figure all that out. And the five really wants to figure everything out. So let's just let's just learn more. Let's just investigate. Mm. Let's study. Let's consume information and vision and strategy and kind of get in that space where we can. So I think what I understand that to be really good for me is I tend to be a pretty high level thinker. Um, Mm. I tend to have a pretty easy time uh, thinking strategically, thinking about big picture, Mm -hmm. seeing how things connect and why they work together. Um, My wife will tell you what's what's unhealthy for the five is that sometimes you got to get out of your head. Sometimes you got to push yourself out Mm -hmm. and say, let's, let's be relational. Let's connect with the emotions. Um, It's real easy for her to say to me, Hey, what's going on? How was your day? And I'm like, yeah, good. You know, Mm -hmm. because I'm in my thoughts. And then three days later, I'll come back to it and go, Oh, now I've got it all figured out. Now I can process, Mm. process for you. 
Um, so that's that's the space I tend to live in. Hmm. I'm looking at examples of fives and it's interesting. They give these examples because you're not supposed to type people. Yeah. Right. <laughs> and I'm like, uh, but we all do it. <laughs> oh, of course. Yeah. Yeah. I think there's numbers that are really easy to do. So yeah. uh, I know somebody that's an eight, a female eight. Yes. I know a couple of those. One works in this building. Um, <laughs> and it's very apparent when they're yeah. that. Absolutely. Uh, and that's, that can, that's a, that's a great thing. That's their personality and they're alive. Yeah. yeah eight's the eight's the challenger right uh like napoleon was a, yeah. an eight uh so my dad is a mate funny story he was your dad's yeah, an eight 40 years he was a kroger store manager okay and we were out to dinner the other night and um we're going to get in the car and wherever we were at dinner there's this house and there's these dogs like charging at us barking you know and they sound fierce i don't think they were but uh, I'm like, in my head, I'm like, all right, we're going to get in the car a little quicker now. Like, that's all mm -hmm. that means. Let's just be. And he starts yelling back at the dogs, <laughs> like just like calling them out, you know, like, get out of here, that, that whole thing. And I, I had this Enneagram moment where I was like, we just approach life so differently. Mm -hmm. And it's so helpful to understand that. But yeah, that's funny. Yeah, it's, it's interesting to, we started learning this, my wife started learning this, uh, she wanted to understand herself. Mm -hmm. It was why am I like this? She's a one, mm -hmm. uh, definite perfectionist, mm -hmm. uh, huge inner critic. And she started saying, she said to me, I think you're a three. I looked at her like, what are you talking about? I, what, what does that mean? <laughs> and then we were, we were listening to this audio book. She going on the way to vacation. She put on, she put on the audio book and it was talking about the three. And like you said, I thought somebody yeah. was inside, like knew my thoughts. How do they know I'm like this? Right. And man, yeah, it really hit me. Yeah. Like I am a lot, like that's a lot of me. And it almost has me like dead on. There's not really any leeway there. That's how I felt. Yeah. Which, how do they come up with that? That's crazy. <laughs> how do they know this stuff about personality types? You know? Yeah. I mean, it's, it's fascinating and it's, you know, and I, and I think there's movement fluidity because I know that there's places I go under pieces, but what I love about mm. it is, Hey, at the core of who you are, this is the understanding we have, you know, this is the understanding. And I, it's just been really helpful. Mm. Like I'm reading mine. It says threes can really, can really can and do achieve great things in the world. Um, you know, people look up to them and this is not, I'm reading this. This is not me tooting any <laughs> horn. I'm reading this, uh, usually well liked. Uh, but I know for me, the, my struggle is it's almost at all costs. You try to stay in that. Yeah. And that can harm relationships. Right. You can self harm. Mm -hmm. You work too much. You don't yeah. sleep. You're always going. And that can become, and, and I would wow. imagine feeling torn of, because a three is the achiever, correct? Mm -hmm. Yeah, the achiever. So feeling yeah. torn of who, who do I need to impress now? Like, and how do I, yeah. how do I keep all images up? Mm -hmm. Right. And I read some something. One, I read something somewhere where it said a three is a chameleon to some degree. Mm -hmm. So I've, I've done this about myself my whole life, but to actually see somebody write this it's like when i come into a room you size up the room yeah okay who are the important people who do i need to talk to and another thing about a three is you can have almost two different sets of friends yeah 
So there's people that, and you can legitimately get along with them, yeah. but they have two different worldviews mm. because like threes can, oh, okay, you think like this. So let me kind of morph right. a little bit. Right. And, and that can be helpful. But also can be for me, I struggle with decision making sometimes because mm. you kind of, you can see too much. Yeah. So to speak. Yeah. As a coach, that can be. To I was going to say, how's that play out as a, as a head coach? Uh, I spend way too much time gathering information yeah instead of action yeah so i can be kind of like a five in that yeah, yeah. realm a little bit where mm -hmm. okay i have all this information and then trying to you know take a so that's really interesting because when i so when i went <laughs> i kind of label it when i went through the burnout <laughs> or, mm -hmm. or that season of just man i don't know if i want to keep doing this thing um and i was processing so much of this one of the one of the major realizations I had was I do the same thing. I spend so much time gathering information, mm. but it has nothing to do with people around me. It has to do with like mm. the safe space for me is is information. And and one of the challenges that has almost become a practice of a discipline, a spiritual discipline, has been building other relationships, being vulnerable to people. Mm. Because for a five, that's so hard. That's so difficult mm -hmm. to say. I have these feelings and I want to name them for you versus I've got these feelings and I'm going to figure them out. I'm going to process them in myself and deal with them. So, you know, and that, that was one of the hardest places was to mm. say, I've been a leader for so long of people. Now I've got to be just a, a companion of people and let them be mm. companions for me, which is, which is really hard to do at times. So. Mm. One of my biggest struggles is I've, I've most of my life, I've had a lot of, had a lot of friends, air quotes, mm -hmm but not many deep relationships. Yeah. And it's only been the last couple of months that that has changed hmm. to realize, oh, okay. It's not the quantity, it was, it's the quality. Yeah. Which is a big part of me just leaving social media in the dust because it's, at that all that does is fuel the performer. Yeah. I have to look a certain way. Right. I have to say a certain thing. I have to have this many followers, mm -hmm. this many likes. Right. Yeah, but talk about burnout. Yeah. Like, uh-uh. Like, yeah. I can't do that for me. And anymore. always on. Always on. Yep. Yeah, I mean, I just yep. can't do that anymore um, for me. And that, cause that, was, that, was, that, was, that was bad. So how do, you, how do you, as like in a pastoral role, use this? How does that, how does that work? With the Enneagram? Mm, yeah. Um, so uh, multiple ways. I, I do it. We have a kind of a discipleship process that we walk people through. Mm. And it's always part of that. One of the things we talk about is like spiritual growth in America for a long time has been equated to forward momentum, right? So you have faith. So you got to, you got to grow, you got to read more, you got to study more, you yeah. got to serve more, whatever it is. Mm -hmm. And I think those things are good, but at the same time, we got to help people like slow down and go backwards, right? Like mm. dig into the core of their identity, their personality, um, and then look at, you know, what's the trauma that's happened in my life? What are the things that have shaped who I am and how does that inform growth right now? Because like you're saying with social media, everything we have now is push, 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 do, 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 whatever it is. Mm. And that's never been like the way of spiritual life, right? No. It's always been slow down, mm. be still, like serve more, do less <laughs> like this, this whole idea. So we use yeah. it in that sense. I use it in um, premarital counseling all the time, mm. um, helping couples understand like, Hey, you're entering this marriage, but you need to know yourself and what you're bringing to the table and who you are. Mm. Um, 
and it's it's just really become part of the language of our of our church community yeah slow down yeah because we all i know i need that oh my gosh (laughs) to slow down that's really for me one a spiritual practice is i go to confession once a week Mm. i may not really have much to say in there but it's a slow down reflect and take a examination of conscience and okay what what do i need to put more attention on to be more intentional about uh because like you said i think sometimes we get caught up in forward momentum so what's the new thing we can do more so than hey what is let's say for example the church what has the church done for two thousand years give or take yeah you know or what are some like you were saying nation prayer so what are things that are like time tested right can bring us back to being better people yeah yeah because i think it's so countercultural right now right i mean like i'm raising three teenagers three teenage girls Uh, we've got a fourth daughter that's that's older um but man like even the conversations about cell phones it's just automatically our guards go up and Mm -hmm. i'm talking not just them like us anytime Mm -hmm. we call each other out on like hey be present it's like wow why would you say that to me but it's not, it's not out of discipline. It's out of concern because these things have fundamentally reshaped who we are and how we, how we isolate and interact. And that way of slowing down is, is I think the only thing that's going to pull us back to the fullness of, of being human. Yeah. I have a, a dumb phone now. So no internet, just text, talk, mm-hmm. uh, slow to slow me down, uh, there are nights of the week that my wife and I have agreed that I don't even, I don't text yeah. people after dinner. Yeah. Cause I know that's been a problem for me. Cause it's, again, it's that threeness. It's, yeah. I have to be, yeah. you know, performing. I have to be getting back to people. I have to be, well, no, like, yeah. actually I don't, I don't, yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. I need to be present with like my wife and kids. Uh, but that's gotta be hard for you. Cause you're, you're, well, let's talk about your new role yeah. first, if you don't mind, which, <laughs> what you're going into. And then you're also, you know, a pastor. So that's got to be yeah. difficult for you as well. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, I'm stepping into a role at the college that's going to be working with um, students developing resume skills, cover letters, mm-hmm. how they network, how they find jobs, and then also really networking as on behalf of the college to set up internships, to mm-hmm. build internships. That's Wesleyan. Correct. Yeah. That's okay. Wesleyan. Um, and really excited about it, but it is, it is one more thing that's getting added. And, mm-hmm. you know, my, my wife, if she were sitting here would say, Justin's better when he's busier, but there's a fine line between busy mm-hmm. and overcommitted. Mm-hmm. And I've not always known that well. Um, mm-hmm. But I think, I think in a lot of ways, part of this transition is to give more space. One of the things that I've struggled with being here at the high school has been, I love the teaching role. I love being in the classroom, but the pastoral ministry role is difficult from that because Mm -hmm. I feel like I'm constantly chasing a clock and there's just very little margin to just Mm -hmm. be, to be still, to prep a sermon, to just reflect and think. And that's really, really essential for me. Mm -hmm. And so I think this is going to free that up a little bit more. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, so I think all of us play the role of, you know, coach and teacher and dad and husband and how do we do all this well and, you know, yeah. there's no formula. There's just mm. no formula other than 
partly being in, in check with our own soul and being in check with our spouse and those that matter to us and saying, Hey, how am I doing? Like mm-hmm. being courageous enough to ask those questions of our friends and our, our family and say, how do you see me doing? And, mm-hmm. and if I'm not doing well, please tell me. And then let's, let's do that with grace and balance it out and mm-hmm. kind of get better. Yeah. The role is, is dad, man, that one's, oh, especially the daughters, like we both are, I mean, dads to daughters and I joke, but I'm pretty serious that my daughters are going to enter religious life. They're going to become nuts. Yeah. <laughs> so they're definitely going to go to Franciscan up in Steubenville and dad, I want to do this. You don't have a choice because you're going to, no, and obviously that's obviously I'm not going to do that. Uh, but it may be suggested. Um, but yeah, I mean, trying to shape kids and people in the, I guess society's always, people have always said it was better back then, mm-hmm. right? There's mm-hmm. nostalgia, but today it's just, it, it seems like things just happen so fast. Yeah, There's not enough time to process and, hey, what's the eventual outcome of this? Right, right. Yeah, I imagine you see that as a pastor a lot. Yeah, I do. And and I think, um, you know, you're talking about raising kids. It It's so, people told us how fast it would go. And mm. I always thought like, yeah, I mean, I get it. But, but high school specifically, I've got two in high school right now. And I can't believe how fast it is. Mm-hmm. And it's this weird tension. And I, and I think this is a life tension of like, I'm sad that it's going so fast. And I really miss those young days. But on the same hand, like, every year has been more fun. Like every Mm -hmm. year with my girls feels like there's new things. There's new parts of their personality. Um, We shift how we relate to each other. Like last night, my, one of of my girls came home late and I was like, I'm just beat. I want to go to bed. Then it attracted me all day. Mm -hmm. Um, But this is the time I have with her. And and so you sacrifice in different ways. Not that that was a sacrifice, but felt like it. I'm tired. I want to go to bed. Sure. Staying up, having some conversation, um, that when she was three, four years old, never would have happened, right. you know, and it's just new and different. And I think it's, it's part of that, that opportunity to form, to be formed and to form mm-hmm. them, um, just being open to where they are and, and kind of, you know, and I think in a lot of ways, that's, that's what our relationships across the board should look like is, mm-hmm. is being present to who we're with and finding out and identify. I mean, just as a teacher, like you got students walking in here every day and you don't know what 25 things they've gone through mm-hmm. and trying to be present to that is really hard when you've got this agenda of content and curriculum. And mm-hmm. it's just the challenge we all face, I think. Mm-hmm. Somebody said that the, uh, us as human beings were designed to communicate like this, mm. like a one-on-one yeah. scenario, obviously as a teacher, it's a call. It's a calling first right. of all. Or, or pastor to be able to talk to numerous people, but yeah, it's, it's a, it's a work in progress, especially these days with all the things that pull at you on your devices and, yeah. and things of that nature. Uh, shoot, even attention spans now, yeah. my goodness. I mean, I think people used to go to movies and they were like four hours yeah. and now it's an hour and a half and <laughs> it's all over. Well, even when YouTube started, I mean, it was, yeah, I was getting, I remember getting emails with YouTube videos that were seven, eight minutes long and now nobody can last that long. It's, it's a minute to two minutes, right? That's, that's the max capacity. We have. Yeah. And which has led to, it's made it harder for people to have, and I, this is, it's a fault of mine for people to have in-depth conversation. Yeah. 
there's not much room for nuance. Right. It's this is my opinion. I'm right. You're wrong. Right. And here's the two minute clip of why and what, yes. <laughs> you know? Yeah. And there I've proved my point. Let's, let's move on. But in reality, no, we haven't because there's much more to when you dig into it, like right. a Joe Rogan type podcast. Right. right. It's like three hours. Yeah. And people have varying opinions of Joe, varying opinions of Joe Rogan. That is one thing I really admire him for is mm -hmm. this is much deeper than the yeah. five minute ABC News interview. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And I've said, like, if we were going back, so we started our church from the ground up and it started on a, on a back porch with a cookout, right? Like mm -hmm. that's where it began. If we were going back, I think I would eliminate the Sunday big crowd gathering and just gather mm -hmm. in homes around tables to really mm -hmm. promote this way of like sharing life together, really mm -hmm. being in each other's presence. Um, I think it would be hard. I think it would be hard for the people to say the institution is shifting a little bit because we're seeing this, uh, but we're actually better together we're actually doing mm. more of what what we're called to do together in this mm. relational space i didn't i haven't asked you what is the name of your church the people uh, new community church new yeah. community okay yeah man that's awesome and that's again one of the reasons i feel like i'm giving plugs for catholicism but uh that's one of the reasons i really enjoy i enjoy catholicism is mass is an hour at most so then it's about your community, right? And the people you're with. And, you know, it's not like Father Andex thinking to himself, how do I get the, get the sermon better? I mean, he's working right. on his homily, but it's not, how do I make the church service this yeah. like entertainment thing? No, I yeah. mean, he has a, it's scripted basically. Right. Right. So <clears throat> it's a, it follows a script and then you're into a community. So you're eating donuts, drinking coffee, yeah. or you're with your family. Cause I can't, I couldn't imagine what it's like being like trying to prep a new service every week. How does that, how does that yeah, work? It's, it's funny as you're describing that. I, so you guys have lived here through strawberry festival, right? Like you've seen, no, that's okay. about to be, uh, this, this is our first get, one. Uh, I don't think I'm leaving my house when it comes to <laughs> your kids will sense it. There's something that happens. Oh, sure. Yeah. <laughs> but we, like I've talked about when the strawberry festival rolls around and it's at its fullest, the carnival comes in town. Right. And there's mm. this, just excitement among all the kids. They kind of lose their minds, whatever. Um, and the reality is like for a couple of days, that's exciting. And then it kind of starts to stink. <laughs> like, and it's like, how long is Strawberry Festival? Uh, it's a week. It's it, a I mean, week. Okay. A week. And then there's like three days of parades type, type deal. Okay. Um, but I've said like in the church, I think sometimes we're trying to create the carnival every week. Like every Sunday, we're trying to make this big, like yeah. attractional, like look how cool we are, mm. whatever. We got the professional Christians on stage, you know, the preacher, professional the band, Christians. That, oh my gosh. Whatever that looks like. And, you know, more and more, I love what you just said about the Catholic Church. Like it's it's the mass, it's the communion table. It's coming back mm -hmm. to the center of what this should be. Mm -hmm. um, and I think part of the healing that I've had from, from burnout, from, mm. you know, whatever that was, was just going like, I don't really want to be that impressive. <laughs> like I want to just kind of settle in and be consistent yeah. stable, and love people well. And like, I'm not preaching as much. I'm trying to give mm. storytelling away to some of our other folks and just mm -hmm. say like, yeah, we're all in this thing. And, you know, I really don't know what the future holds. So I'm just going to leave to the best of my ability. Yeah. Yeah. The, the performance part that 
pastors have to do on Sundays of Protestant churches mm -hmm. is got to be exhausting. Well, and especially and COVID really shaped this because everything went online. So if you didn't yeah. have an online streaming service, you had to. And, mm -hmm. you know, then the pressure of like coming back and gathering in person and yet some people aren't comfortable. So you got to do both really well. Mm -hmm. and it's kind of like teaching. We got to do mm -hmm. all this stuff and be great at all of it, you know, mm -hmm. and, and nobody can do that. And, and we, you know, we made a conscious decision about almost a year ago to just say, we're going to shut down our live stream, mm -hmm. not because we want to be insensitive to people who are nervous to come out, but because we just think we can't do that well. Like right. for us to be who we're supposed to be, we need to gather in person. Mm -hmm. um, and that's a pressure. That's a pressure that, you know, teacher burnout, pastoral burnout mm -hmm. is just skyrocketing right now. Like mm -hmm. I can't remember the statistic, but it was basically from January of last year to October of last year, the, the number of pastors that were considering quitting doubled mm. um, because of, uh, they call it like CPR, the COVID politics and race stuff, like mm. all this stuff that's going on culturally and you just don't win. It's kind of like mm -hmm. being a teacher, like you can do everything right and you're still going to get that critique. And right yeah. now that's what ministry looks like. Like mm. there's just, you just don't win. So. Mm. Yeah. 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 Then, we, you know, we talked about Catholicism. We, our main, obviously, Catholics, our main object of going to mass is the Eucharist, right? The, the yeah, Holy Sacrifice, right. the mass, uh, which you can't do online, I guess. You know, you can't like partake, <laughs> you know, so that's a little different, yeah. you know, just different, different flavor of Christianity. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, for sure. Absolutely. Well, I guess the students are about to come in. I think so. But thank you for so, doing this this thanks morning. Thanks for having me, man. This is great. I man, appreciate it. Uh, I really value our friendship and i definitely will come see you at wesleyan to just pick I your brain and well. we'll be at the football games it's been great to have you here and love what you're doing well, thank you. man we are we're taking it one day at a time i know yeah. that <laughs> that's all you can do i gotta pass out some hoodies and t-shirts people bought today so that's, that's another part that's uh, other duties as a sign that's one what that's called thing. yep yeah no doubt thanks sir